Hello, welcome to episode 48 of Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And you won't be hearing much more of me uh, for the rest of this episode because James has uh, gone and exclusively yeah. uh, interviewed, well, you might hear me, you might hear a little cameo from me at the very end, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but you interviewed uh, Paul, Paul Carenza. I you? did interview Paul Carenza, uh, who happened to be at my house not so long ago, so I thought I should grab him uh, for my podcast. Paul is a um, stand-up comedian, uh, he is a, also does Paul's for Thought on Radio 2, he also writes, worked on Miranda, he worked on Not Going Out and still works on Not Going Out. Yep, and it's a very funny man, and I've seen him performing stand-up as well, and uh, can vouch for his funniness live as well as uh, as a writer. And so, yeah, so you talked about various uh, what it takes really to be a, a, yeah. a writer. Yeah. So, uh, and also, you know, making the most of those lucky breaks that you get. Yeah. So, Paul Carenza, here we go. Yeah. Take it away, and we'll 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 say goodbye on the other side. Thanks very much, Paul, for being with us um, here. I no say worries. with us, Dave Cohen will be silent for this interview, um, mainly because he's not here. Oh, okay. So, um, gagged in the corner. Yes, he's gagged in the corner. Shh, shut up, Dave. <laughs> um, so, Paul Carenza, um, welcome to Sitcom Geeks. Thank you. Um, you have uh, experience of sitcom, do you not? In terms of not going out and yep. Miranda and things like that, what what is your involvement in those shows? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm. Because uh, although we worked together on Miranda, we were never allowed know, in the same room which together. Is very odd, isn't we it? We were involved at different parts totally. of the process. Well, and equally with not going out, often I don't know who's written on it until the credits go by, and you go, "Oh, that person! Oh, there you go! That would have been nice to have seen that person, wouldn't it?" Yeah. But we, we're not going out. We, uh, which I did first. I did because I, I got to know Lee doing uh, radio sketch, his radio sketch show. Ah. And then how, he, how did you end up doing the radio sketch? Uh, okay, yes. Well, let's let's take a step back. I I did so I did the uh, what is it called the Titheridge Award thing, which is what when you work at BBC Radio for a whole year across everything yeah. that they've got going. And it's uh, like a they I mean calling it a bursary. Yeah, or is, is, a is, overst- is overstating it because that yeah. implies there's quite a lot of money. Involved. Yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah. So that was well, that was the one year of my life I've sort of had a salary. Right. So in fact, what we were just talking about off-air before we started, mm. that was the one year I thought, right, now buy a house now because I have proof for one year that because. I have some sort of solid income. And uh, and so I did that and then wrote for... And you didn't buy a house. And I, well, I did just about, got in there, uh, right. a small shed somewhere. Right. And um, uh, and then, yeah, so wrote... For, so then Lee sort of, literally, he walked through the lift doors uh, one day saying, hello, I have a sketch show. Where are the writers? And I went, hello, over here. Hello, yeah. I'll do this. And my writing partner was in the loo at the time, so I got to write for it and he didn't. And it was... Uh, so the lesson for me has always been hold it in. You know, even doubt. You never know when those opportunities might come up. Um, so then got to go uh, do that for him with a couple, for a couple of years. And then he said he was moving to TV for not going out. So I said, let me come with you. And uh, so the first series of not going out... in the boot of his car. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much like that. Uh, so that was the first series of that. that he'd, written, he'd done the pilot by that point. And it was, so it was myself and Lee and Andrew Collins uh, in a room, just the three of us. So we wrote uh, series one, episodes one to six, sorry, episodes two to six, the three of us in a room. Wow. Um, over one summer in uh, just off Oxford Street. And, um, and then quite shrewdly, I think, when they had series two, mm. Lee thought, right, well, let's make this show work the, as, as efficiently as we can. I think a lot of people would say, great, that worked. Let's stick with that. Yeah. Lee said, "No, let's let's make this work better." Um, so we had uh, more gag writers, 
Simon Evans had done a little bit of a punch up on series one, I believe. So he was doing more uh, in series two. So then series two is myself and Simon and a couple of other writers in Lee's garden shed. And right. we did that thing of, you know, the garden office kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But then about halfway through series two, we realised that actually Lee was agonising over every line and really wanted to um, write it himself first right. and then give it to us to punch up. Right. So then uh, I think he did that for a little while. And then by about series three, halfway through that maybe, he realised he needed help doing the, yeah. the plotting and all that stuff. And he got Danny Peake to do that, yeah. who's very good at that. Yeah. And uh, so by that point, in a way, I'd sort of been demoted, I suppose. Yeah. But it all sounds familiar. I've, I've exactly. Yeah. But you know, but in fairness, um, his, it was it's his show. It's his show, yeah. and and it, and actually, you know, I I've you always, really needed the loo, the loo by this. Point, I did. I was holding it in for years. <laughs> Goodness me. Um, and uh, oh, when I went, oh, um, <laughs> amazing. So uh, so yeah. So anyway, over the course of those years, my role changed uh, somewhat. Mm. Um, but that was fine because I, I was always I know my strengths have always been I think more in joke writing and gagging up mm. and uh, plotting and character and story is something that I've been trying to learn and teach myself over the years um, by listening to podcasts like the sitcom geeks <laughs> and and the like so but right. so Your and so, in the post. pretty much <laughs> so uh, and then with Miranda it was, it was very similar and in fact so I I, rec- I think I believe I recommended Miranda for the part in not going out that she got ah. uh, for originally for an acupuncturist and then the cleaner yeah. in series two yeah and the, one of the she was great in that. Wasn't she was she? great. I mean, that yeah, was you watch a, that back, and yeah, that was the golden years. Yes, really, that, golden yeah. years of not being. Uh, so she um, then she got her series backstage at a not going out recording. She said, "You know, I need another writer to help with this. Do you want to come on, come on board?" So did a similar thing there, I suppose, yeah. in terms of additional material that she would have written with some fine writers and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, fixing the and terrible would, writing that you I would were. just sort of punch up. But generally with Miranda, because it was. The plot was all there, so the the stuff I ended up doing was more of the flashbacks, right? Because okay. it would be you know stuff that didn't affect the plot. Yeah. Let's have a silly idea we'll come back to later. Yeah. Of something nonsensical that yeah, happens. Yeah. So that would be. So and you were doing this sort that. of stuff in isolation, as it were. You were you were being emailed yeah. scripts and. Exactly. So in your garret. So with um yeah with Miranda and not going out it would be Liam Miranda just drop us an email with yeah. the stuff often you wouldn't know when uh, yeah. I think on one occasion Lee emailed me at midnight on a Sunday said if, you, if I can have it back by breakfast that would be great and uh, it doesn't normally happen like that but no. there were some times where you just yeah. it would be sporadic and yeah, you don't yeah. know what and when you just do it and you were obviously being paid adequately for this work um, I, I, th- I think so yeah. uh, but again even that's an isolation you never yeah. quite know um, I think um uh, but yeah, no, it was it was fine. fine. Yeah. And uh, although you know, I mean, this isn't really the place to quibble, is it? No. But um, uh, but I did a walk on part in Miranda yeah. as a customer. I believe she she told me I'm the I'm the only customer who ever bought anything over three and a half. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, punch the air. And um, but I you know I, I did that just as a bit of fun. And then, but the repeat fees you get from that, and and how you're treated at the time, and you think, oh, what am I doing writing for? I'd rather walk on and say nothing. <laughs> that episode, I got called a cab all the way home to Guildford, and uh, a selection of newspapers on the back seat, and then the next week I turned up as a writer, and it's you know yeah, got to run for the last tube again. Make your own way. Totally, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, writing is a mugs game. So it is. if you've got this far listening to the podcast, then you know you've got to yeah. you've got to know you love doing it. This is the absolutely, thing. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So you've done that kind of writing but also you've done writing on um uh, well famously uh top gear infamously infamously but also tfi <laughs> yeah. and that kind of stuff as well i mean yeah. how, how does that differ from 
fairly profoundly in some ways because the point yeah. of the shows is different. Totally, yeah. But, I mean, it must be. It's a happy experience, frustrating. Bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably getting paid's nice. Getting paid's always nice for a day's work. Absolutely, they're yeah. all they're all day day rate stuff, so that's great. And uh, yeah, it was. I mean, Top Gear was a weird experience anyway because it was a very public way of uh, of actually uh, doing the show. So you know, we were getting feedback via the press as we were making it, pretty much, and all this sort of stuff. But certainly, obviously, you haven't got the the plotting and the outlining type stuff, but you do have those mini stories, certainly in Top Gear, where they're filming uh, stuff on location. They've got a little through line to what the challenge might be, that sort of stuff. Um, But for both TFI and Top Gear and um, the award stuff I did last year as well, it is more... um, yeah, heightened, I suppose, in that you've got the, the studio environment. I was used to turning up to not going out, sitting in the audience, having a nice beer afterwards. Yeah. And, and that was it. But at Top Gear, you know, you're standing behind the camera, you're huddling in after every take, you're changing the line on the fly. And uh, it felt a bit more pressured, I would say. Yeah. But, but great fun to do. And it was a big learning curve last year, doing those entertainment shows rather than comedy. Yeah. Well, what, what did you learn? I think I How would How has that say... made you a better sitcom writer or joke writer, necessarily? I think there's a couple of major things I learnt, which would be partly just the grammar of making a studio show, mm. whether it's studio audience sitcom or a sort of shiny floor entertainment show. Mm. Just little things like knowing where the autocue person is, what the process is, and you know how to politely deal with that person, yeah, yeah. and um, you know just just going through those sort of motions of what happens when what everyone does on set. At what point you can feel that you can actually change a line? Yeah. I made a few mistakes. I would go, "Oh, that line should be changed." I would change it, and then the hosts go along and say, "This isn't what we've signed off." You know, and I, go, right. well, I thought it'd be better, isn't it? And they go, "Well, it's not your call to make at this stage." Yeah. So that's yeah. I'd learned the hard way on that. Um, but also, I think in terms of creatively, uh, just really zooming in on every word, really. Mm. And sometimes it would be a punctuation, a bit of a you know a comma, not a full stop, or a. Um, probably yeah. not that because people really don't read punctuation less so less I know so. what you mean but, but you know but every syllable counts totally really, and you would have the host coming up to you and changing a script not so much often word for word but actually capitalise that and semicolon that and right. underline that and, um, and a new way of saying this please and all that sort of stuff because they are the ones who will say at the yeah, end yeah. of the day and you need to make them as comfortable as possible yeah. that's really interesting actually because um, the, the they are particularly conscious of Every single line and how easy it is to say, and therefore just the idea that they want—they don't actually want the line to change. They just like mm. a, an easier to say version of what you've already written. Yeah, and then you think of one and just think, "Why oh, on earth didn't I think of that first? You yes. sort of think of the mouthful that you gave them to say beforehand. Totally, and and often you know it's so easy to write something that is writ- clearly written. Yeah. And that you write something and think this is a great joke, and you hand it in, and often I still get this wrong. You hand it in, going, "This is this is gold. They're going to love it." And then, of course, they go, well, that's, I couldn't possibly say that. I'd never say that. Yeah. And you think, oh, yeah, because you are, you know, it's, it's like I did some stuff with Claudia Winkleman last year. Who She she knows better than anyone yeah. how she sounds and what works best for her. Yeah. And she's very funny on, on the fly. Mm. And, uh, and she's really good at what she does. But you try and write for her, and actually you learn fairly quickly what her style is. Yeah. And I think writing for people like that, and often I suppose whether it's for sitcom as well, if you're writing for a certain actor... Yeah, uh, or a, an existing show where they've got a style already. Yeah. Trying to fit in with that is really all you can do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point because you've written. Um, also, there's the presenting that you know you, the presenters that you work with, but then not going out and Miranda are to some extent. Um, 
uh, presenters of their own material. Yeah. And actually, um, you need the quicker you learn the lesson of just doing stuff for them that works for them. And if they don't want to do it, mm. there's no point arguing. Yeah. For the sake partly of your pride. But partly because you may think, oh, no, it'd be much better if you said Then they go, I would never say that. That's not my... I'm not going to do it. Mm. And you need to let go of those really quickly because otherwise you're just going to end up getting frustrated, resentful. You'll keep writing the same stuff that they can't Mm. use, so you're going to get fired. Um, It's a bit of a downward spiral, isn't it? So the more open you are to what they want, the better. It feels like you're sort of bending over slightly, but actually... It is, a it's bit. It's doing the job. But they are, you know, they are the star, the executive producer, the writer, the performer, and everything. And I don't know about, about you when you've written for such things, but I often find there is a difference, that it feels different writing a line for, say, Miranda, mm. but then writing the next line for, say, Stevie or Tilly or something. Yeah. Because you know that this the line for Miranda, you have to impress... The person reading this mm. and saying yes or no to this will be the person saying it. Yeah. Whereas the characters, you often feel like if I've got a funny joke or a funny line for one of the characters, yeah. it's got more chance of getting in perhaps yeah. because you've not quite got to convince them that also you have to say this. Yeah, yes, this, that's right. You know. Well, yeah, they don't quite have the power of veto over yeah. their lines yes. um, that the star does. But, um, but yeah, no, that's very interesting. Going back... Um, going back a long way, a very tiny version mm. of you, I'm imagining... Uh, watching TV at home or whatever it was. What 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 early on set you on this path, other than failure to find other alternative employment? <laughs> That's what it always comes down to. Being too really? clever by yeah. half. Yeah. Um, there's a variety of. Um, um, you certainly yeah. don't do it for the money. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's um, well, I, I school. I was in the. I was the, one of the comedy geeks. And uh, we sitcom geeks. We should have thought that back then. No, we, we should have done. Yeah, yeah, but no, there were um, so there were four of us. We we actually had a sketch writing group, and we recorded on on cassette some uh, sketches that we'd written. Yeah, uh, we were about thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. Like that. Do you still have the cassettes? I still have the cassettes, except of course I've now digitised them. So they're, oh. now, they're now MP3s on my iPod for whenever I. Oh my goodness! I haven't for... ever dared listen to them, but they are there if wanted. Oh really? Yeah. You still not you you digitise them without managing I, to hear them? I would not. I, if it comes on, I skip. I cannot. I can't <laughs> listen to it. But it's there. It's there. And we actually we sent it. Um, we packaged up a cassette and sent it off to BBC Radio because we were big. Big fans at the time of uh, well, we liked Red Dwarf on TV and could quote that yeah. to the cows come home, Blackadder stuff like that. Um, but also on radio, we were you know really old, like I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Right, and Round the Horn and Goon Show and stuff like that. And so we just loved all that silly hmm. um, boyish nonsense. Yeah. You know? So we sent a cassette off. Uh, I, I think also hiding our ages. You know, it was that thing. Yeah. Thinking, oh, let's pretend we're twenty something and do this. And we got a letter back. Uh, from the guy who was just you know work experience at the time saying no way we could ever say this on you know thanks there was one or yeah. two sketches that we quite liked which I thought well that's nice that was yeah, encouraging because yeah, yeah. one of those I'd written and um, so that guy was uh, John Montague who is now head of comedy at Sky okay so, uh, it goes to show you know have you subsequently met this I, I have yeah and have you mentioned this I have mentioned this oh, really? he of course has no memory of no, it no 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 doing no, this yes, or even having the job but I've got the letter at home to prove yes, it yes, so uh, so it's nice it goes to show you never quite know when that person is going no, to absolutely. but yeah so we, we were big uh, big fanatics of those shows we used to go and see 
Uh, we saw the British Empire being recorded ah. and Fist of Fun and stuff like that. So we would, you know, we were real comedy nerds. Mm. And, the British Empire is, is, yeah. is a show that has been much forgotten, but was very I popular so. at the time. It was great. It was great. And it was, uh, that was, you know, BB- and just going to Television Centre. And that, I mean, that for me felt properly magical. And then uh, one day, ultimately, being there mm. to film, well, when we did Miranda's, one of the last shows to be filmed there yeah. and that I mean it's a, it was just utterly heartbreaking for yeah, myself yeah. you know I know that it's you know it's got its problems that building but growing up there and going to that it felt like something special you know yeah. and uh, but really watching those and enjoying those and writing those little sketches I had never really put together with a career uh, in, I did drama school. I did. Uh, wasn't very good at acting. It turned out. So I did stand up comedy to sort of didn't stop you being in Miranda. Right? That. No, exactly. Well, you know, I didn't didn't mention that to the uh, <laughs> the Miranda casting director. And um, but yeah, it was really only after drama school I put together this whole acting in comedy, which I kind of, kind of liked writing some plays mm. as a student, writing these sketches, and then going actually let's try and keep this going. Really. Yeah, and I'm still trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because um, I mean, these days there are podcasts about comedy writing. And there is the internet, and there are blogs, and there are all these things, for which obviously I'm partially responsible. Of course. But 20 years ago, there wasn't any of this stuff. No. Um, so what was it? I mean, you're slightly younger than me, I think. I'm um, 38. Okay, um, um, let's, okay. Not, let's not discuss let's how Let's not long. go... Yeah, yeah exactly. But, um, keep it vague. But, but, yeah. but that sort of... Still 15, 15 mm. years ago, pre-internet, yep. um, what, what was your way in? What were you trying to... You know, what, what was your plan? Once you'd realised you sort of could put them together, you left mm. drama school, what did you leave? Well, I with? never... I think I sort of left... Uh, at the same time that I did my first stand-up gigs, so 2001, 2002, I was sending jokes off to uh, the News Hudlines, okay. which is the, uh, uh, you know, the open-door show at the yeah. time. And uh, I was trying and trying, and, you know, I'd send in stuff, and I'd turn up to the meetings and stuff, which they had then, and... I think I was just at the time when email... I think you could email. You could, um, yeah. But otherwise, I, would, I think I posted in a few as well. Yeah, fax. I, remember, I faxed yeah, some. A couple of carrier pigeons, whatever. Yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever got it there, it's yeah. fine. And, uh, and I finally got... And it was, I think at the time, the news headline was the longest-running topical comedy show in the world. Yeah. Like that. So I thought, this show will never end. If I can get on this, we're there. And I finally got the first joke on the last show ever. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then Roy Hudd went to do Coronation Street. So I thought, oh no, I finally got away and the show's finished. Yes. And I honestly thought at the time, I thought, well, that's it. There you go. My entire writing career has started and finished in, right. in one two-minute swoop. And um, <laughs> I mean, comedy timing. I know, yes, great. Yes. I thought, well, that's, that's my anecdote. There you go. Yes, I'll go yeah, and yeah. become, a, I don't know, an office assistant or yeah. something and that's it. So, but then when the producer said, oh, great, well, now we're going to replace the news headlines with, I think it was Parsons and Naylor's pull-out sections, Andy oh, yes. Parsons and Helen yeah. Naylor. And so I did that for about four or five years. And how, I, how did you yeah. get on? To, so how did you get on to that? You say you did it for about four or five yeah. years. Yeah. So that was again really just through the news headlines, getting to know the producer. Yeah. And then that producer moved. We've got a new producer, and so mm. therefore you know two producers now, and then it sort of spread from there. Yeah, yeah. But really, you know, from that moment, from the first joke on radio for me, news headlines, to then uh, Parsons and Naylor, to the the year writing for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Lee Max sketch show, not going out, Miranda, all of these things yeah. have come from that one thing, and it's and all of them is just being bumping into the right person, yeah. holding onto your bladder at the right time. Yeah, absolutely, um, none of it really That's has come. Very much the take totally. home message of this. Interview. Absolutely, if anything, just yes. hold on. But that nothing has really um, 
you know, match to that, just getting to know people, yeah. being nice to them, yeah. make creating opportunities, yeah. and and being ready for it when it happens. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, that's interesting that you must have you felt at the time the show is the headlines is over, my life mm. is now that's it. Yeah. And but presumably after twenty four hours you bounced back and had a bit of a sense of perspective about it and yeah I think maybe seventy two hours it took a week probably or two you yeah. know but uh, but I had my check for ten pound or mm. it was and I, I think I, I don't know if I ever cashed it you know it was one of those I was going <laughs> to frame it and it's, it's waiting to be framed this at the minute right. somewhere yeah, yeah yeah what um in terms of getting onto the Parsons and Naylor pull out mm. sections show which was sort of the now show of its day on Radio yeah. Two wasn't it yeah um what do you, again, were you submitting stuff to that from from being a non commissioned writer at the start and slowly fought your way onto that? Yeah, I think so. I think I think I joined it about series three of that or something like okay. that, and then ended up writing for probably another eight, eight or nine, ten series. So in the end, we were going in and actually being part of the main team. But to start off with, yeah, you're just sending stuff in, really. Yeah. And uh, if memory serves, I mean, it was, a, it was a very specific. I know that. One of your big messages here, quite rightly, is mm. listen to the shows before you yeah. randomly send stuff in. Because you really had to know that show. and They yeah. had really specific uh, sketch styles. Mm. And it was very much, um, you know, certain... It was This is what it's like going to the library in a nutshell. Everything was in a nutshell. It was yeah. like, well, I say this. I'm the person who does this, and I do this. Yeah. And that was the start of the show. But people every week would send in sketches which were nothing to do with that at all. Yeah. And instantly rip up in the bin. Totally. Yeah, you not cannot even worth, use it. Yeah. Could be the best sketch in the world. It's wrong for this show. It, yeah. we, we can't even read it, you know. So you, you were sifting through non commissioned material at well, one point? Well, not at that point, but eventually, yeah, when I was doing the year, the year long uh, uh, sort of residency, mm. uh, I did have the job for a while of doing that. And yeah, you get green crayon and everything. Yeah. And I think I know the worst one I ever got, and I can't even repeat fully what it is because it's horribly offensive. Right. But it was, I mean, for a start, it was uh, it was visual. Yeah. It had, you know, we at this point we cut to this going not on radio, you don't. <laughs> um, it had more characters you could use. It was it was racially offensive. Everything was wrong with it. And yeah. You think there are twelve reasons why this, this could never be on air. <laughs> but suddenly I was being like. The person who was feeding back to me at the age of twelve, you know, saying, "Here are the reasons we can never do this." Yeah, you know? yeah, so I'm I, that guy. I feel I've been on both sides. Of I'm that. John Mountague. I'm John Mountague, but not quite the head of Scott, Scott not Comedy. Yet. Yeah. Not yet. It's early days. It's early days. Yeah. Yes, that's right. You're, you're still a young man, um, younger than me, anyway. <laughs> um, well, that's heartening to know that that system at least works because you mm. are you are proof um, that radio is, uh, you know, a way in. Yeah, and I feel it was. I was very happy doing the radio for a few years, and I love radio, and I would, you know, glad, love doing more radio as well. But uh, and, and then finding that bridge to TV for me mm. was was following Lee. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that was useful, I think. Yeah. But and, and I, I suppose you know it's similar today in terms of obviously there's still those radio mm. open doors and stuff, um, as well as it's a very different world, of course. And there's more channels than ever, more different mm. people making sitcom uh, in different ways I think there's still yeah. the same amount just split up it pretty much is I think yeah yeah but it's and you know just when you think you've got a handle on how the industry works it changes and it yeah. shifts a bit and Netflix comes along and all this yeah, sort of yeah. stuff and, and indeed you know YouTube and stuff you can just I keep thinking I could you know I had a, a sitcom turned down you know a year or two ago 
which was up to a certain point. We thought it was a bit of traction with this, and then it was last minute and didn't quite make it. And you sort of think, right, that's it. I'm just going to go make it myself. You know, I've done yeah. all this work. And then a week later, you actually think, oh, can I be bothered, really? Yeah. You know, and if I can't be bothered, then no wonder they couldn't. So, yeah. you know, well, but, I don't think that's quite the same. But, the, uh, the, yeah, you know, but I haven't got a camera they, they have, ready, they yeah. have all the They have all the equipment to yes, make something. Indeed so. Whereas indeed you do so, not. Indeed so. But it's, it, is, it goes to it, you can be done. You, know, you can yeah. do these things. Although I did get frustrated before when I, I had an idea for a show. And it was ju- I think it was just not long after The Office. Mm. So it was probably a good 10 years ago now. And uh, and I think the producer at the time said, "Why do you go away and and film this and send it in to us as a mm. ten minute video thing?" And I just thought, "Well, no, I've written it. I can't can't you do that bit? Because yeah, I haven't got a you know I'd have to borrow a ca- yeah. What are you going to borrow a camera? Well, I don't really want to because yeah. you know I'm a writer. I'm not the camera yeah, guy. Yeah. I don't I don't know that's my strength really. So yeah, sometimes you would like them to have a little bit more faith in actually the written word. But you know, yeah. who am I to say? Well, you know, it's it is hard, isn't it? Because it's it's. Well, I always tell people that producers are really desperate to say yes to stuff. There is, mm. you know, they really, really do want to find good writing, and yet sometimes it does feel as if they're just trying to find excuses to turn something down. You sort of mm. know that they might like it, but at the same time, if they really loved it, they would say, "I'm going to take yeah. this into the off. I'm going to take it into my mm. head of department's." office and say if they're not going to do this then they might as well not bother yeah um but they don't quite do that either well no and, and I, I there was uh without wanting to just make this a long list of anecdotes of me having sitcoms turned down this is very much the show to that's do it fine on. that's true <laughs> but there was there was another one i had which uh the producer i was working with who was oh, we like this idea great you know and she said uh after each character can you actually do that you know thing in brackets of you know, think Tony Robinson meets Hugh yeah, Dennis or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Well, I did a bit of that and uh, spent hours probably just thinking, I can't think of any, yeah. you know, young 30, whatever it mm. might be, actors, you know. So uh, eventually found my ideal casting for this and uh, handed it in. And they said, We've had big feedback from the channel and they're passing on it because the actor you've suggested isn't available. And I go, Well, that wasn't the idea. I said, that's They're just ideal people. But then, of course, very quickly I thought, Well, you know what? If it's. If they don't like it, yeah. forget the reason they've given. Yeah. It's a flimsy reason just because I said, you know, think James Corden and he's now in America. Yeah, yeah. If they don't like it, they don't like it. Yeah. And if, if it was a good enough show, then they'd see past all that stuff. Yeah, and, and they'd, they'd say, oh, we so, want to do this, but can we have so-and-so? Which the answer is, yes. Exactly. If so, you're going to pay me, yes. Exactly. So I, I, I now, nowadays, mm. the reasons for me are less yeah. uh, relevant as yeah. the fact whether they've said yes or no to it. Because if they like it, they'll like it. Yeah. If they don't, then whatever the reason they've given, yeah. that's up to them. Um we're nearly out of time, but the last thing to ask you about is that you have been podcasting for longer than than sitcom geeks have been. In fact, you used to do a movie podcast. I did, yes, quite a yeah. long time ago. Yes, um, and subsequently you've moved on to other podcasts. Mm. Your heptaf- the heptagon. heptagon, the heptagon. I picked a, a title that no one could actually say. Hepta- this- yes, I wanted to say yeah. heptathlon, but it's the heptagon. The heptagon club, yes. So seven um, guests a week. Seven guests a week. That's yes, thing. that's right. Yes. Wow, yeah. what a rod for your own back Should, you made. Shouldn't there. have done that. Yeah. Should not have done yeah. that. But what have you learned through the podcasting that you've done? Because you know, although it's mm. not scripted comedy in quite the same way, mm. how has podcasting? Because that's what I think. That's an easy. I mean, blimey, talk about making it look easy. <laughs> um, that podcasting is an easy thing to do. That you can do just to get experience, whether anyone's listening or not. Yeah. What have you? What lessons have you taken home, maybe from podcasting and just and doing it yourself? Yeah. Not shooting your own sitcom with cameras, but making mm. your own podcasts at least. Yeah, I think. Well, for a start, it's been a nice 
creative outlet and the fact I've done the two podcasts because movie banter was very much a well similar to this really mm. in that we just would click record and we would chat and then when we were finished we'd stop mm. and we wouldn't edit necessarily maybe you do edit I don't know but we uh, we just would put it out like that and do it every couple of weeks and we lasted about uh, two or three years and uh, and then I had kids and stuff like that and we mm. had to sort of slow it down the Heptagon Club I thought forget that I'm going to actually spend a lot longer editing it and making it something I'm happy with and then something I can it, do at home yeah or, you know yes. all that sort of stuff so uh, but or then at least just in do, Starbucks near my home that was the theory yeah. so in fact I've recorded many of the voiceovers for it in Starbucks or in the uh, stairwell of the local leisure centre between cafes or whatever it is but, yeah and and it's been great yeah, but, yeah. for an echo that is it couldn't be better yeah it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work brilliantly for that admittedly but I have had looks I've had a lot yeah. of odd looks and uh, so that has been much more um, tailored and you know I've sort of uh, editing together, stitching together mm. these seven chats per week with me bridging in the middle and a bit of some jingles here and there. I'm just trying to make it a bit more polished and uh, and make it just a series because I couldn't do that every week. So I just did sort of seven of those, put it out there. Thank you for your suggestion, by the way, to make it seven. <laughs> that would have been a lot better than my ten that I was going to try and do. Really and um, <laughs> so that was a relief. And and it's been good fun to do, but then you do realise that actually, okay, well, I've I've spent a lot of time doing that now yeah. and it's time I could be doing other things. But... It's it's a great outlet for that sort of stuff, mm. and it's been a great. I really wanted to just do some stuff that's just putting stuff out there because you get so frustrated with knockbacks or, yeah. or or things that get so far and then actually it doesn't. Or things like you know working on Top Gear last year mm. it was a great job to do, and I thoroughly enjoyed it and got paid, and it was mm. fantastic. At the end of it, this you know it comes around this year, and it, you feel a bit like it was a bit of a damp squib, and yeah. uh, obviously for a variety of reasons that I couldn't go into possibly here mm. for legal reasons. Yeah. Um, but buy me a pint, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> well, I um, think I may just go off and do that. <laughs> and, um, then, but you know, it's it was great to do, but at the same time, there's something that a podcast can do, which has a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction. I couldn't even tell you how small that fraction is yeah. of the audience that that other show did. Uh, but there's, in a way, it's often more rewarding. But it's yours. So it's yours, it's yours, and you can do it, and it's out there forever. And if you mm. don't want it out there forever, you can delete it. Yeah. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And you, ultimately, you have to enjoy it because if you're not enjoying it, there really is no point. That's the thing. I, I've always said I'm, I'm kind of jack of all trades, master none. A bit of stand up, bit of writing, bit of podcasting, but that suits me fine. Mm. I, I, I like it that way. And 10, 15 years from now, I, I'm sure I'll be doing exactly the same thing in a different order. Yeah. And you and you got the mortgage when you had that one. <laughs> do it then. Do it then because I can go fritt away writing. He got a mortgage yeah. and didn't go for a wee. Yeah, Thank you exactly. very much, Paul Carenza. It's been very kind of you to come and spend some time with thank us. Thank you. Say thank you, Dave. Mm, mm, mm. He says thank you. That's good. Uh, no, that wasn't actually me, but it was an impression of me. There. An amazing impression. Yes. It was almost like I was in the room there, I think. But uh, <laughs> th- thanks for listening to that. That was a great interview. And uh, so stern constitution, that is the, the golden rule yeah. of what you need in comedy. Bladder control. Strong bladder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you heard nothing it here else, first. Yes, nothing else matters. No. There is still time to get tickets for uh, to watch James interviewing Marks and Gran live, the legendary Marks and Gran, at the uh, Museum of Comedy. Uh, you can get tickets, Museum of Comedy uh, website, uh, or you can, uh, we're, we're, there's a link on our Facebook page, and you can get tickets via that as well. Um, so, yeah, hopefully there are tickets. So, we're recording this ahead of time, so we're hoping there are tickets left, although yeah. secretly hoping there are no tickets left and that it's all sold out. So, anyway, go and have a look. And uh, you can get tickets for that if there are still some available. Um, you could also send us an email. Um, we are at uh, we are Gmail 
Oh, we are on Gmail. Sorry, this is not sitcom, very sticky. Sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. Sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. So silky smooth and seamless. Brilliant. <laughs> so, is that, is that us for now? I think that's us for now, yes. We'll be back with uh, All Being Well with episode 49, which uh, we're hoping is going to be a, another interview with a, another great sitcom writer, in fact. So, uh, we shall all be revealed in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for listening, and cheerio. All right.